Welcome to the Faith Cup Podcast. We are glad you are here today. May God bless you in order for you to be a blessing to those around you. I have a few thoughts on Christmas I want to share tonight, but if, if nothing else, uh, one of the traditions that we've kind of uh, recently established in, in recent years here at Faith Cove is uh, a, a list of a few Christmas dad jokes. So uh, if nothing else, you can leave today with a few jokes that you can share, you know, or around the Christmas party later tonight. So top Christmas dad jokes of 2022, starting with number seven. What did the wise men say after they offered up their gifts of gold and frankincense? But wait, there's myrrh. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right, number six. Why was the snowman embarrassed to be caught sorting through all the carrots? Because he was caught picking his nose. (laughs) Ew. I told you they were dad jokes. All right, number five. What kind of photos do elves take with their iPhones? Elfies. Awesome. Good. All right, try this one. What do you call a blind reindeer? No idea. That was that would caught on after a little while, right? All right, now hang in there with me on this one. This one's a little bit more challenging. What do you call a bunch of chess masters bragging about their chess matches in a hotel lobby? Ah, oh, somebody's heard that one before. Chestnuts roasting, boasting in an open foyer. <laughs> All right, this one's for audience participation, too. I think we have a slide. How does Christmas Day end? Anyone? How does Christmas Day end? Anyone got a guess? What's that? With everyone broke. Okay, that's a good guess. Anyone else? How does... Where? I think I heard it. With a Y. All right, last one. How is Christmas... Exactly like your job. You do all the work and some guy in a fancy suit gets all the credit. (laughs) Hey, it's Christmas Eve. And as I said, we're glad you're here. Would you pray with me one more time as we uh, spend some time looking into God's word and just reminding ourselves of the good news message of Jesus this Christmas? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a loving Father, that you do not abuse us, that you do not punish us for things that we haven't done. God, we thank you that your punishment is is not a a vindictive punishment, but is is a loving discipline that that wants to draw us back to yourself. God, we ask that in this Christmas season that the the lights and the the trees and the ornaments and the presents would all be symbols and reminders that you are a loving God who wants nothing more than to offer us your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness so that we can know what it is to truly be the children that you have called us to be. God, the choir was just singing peace on earth. And and God, I tell you, today it almost feels kind of like a fantasy to even imagine that peace on earth is possible. And yet tonight, God, I pray that you would give each one of us maybe just a taste of peace in our hearts so that we can go from this place today to be partners with you in bringing peace to the world that you love, that you gave your life to save, 
and that you gave your son to show us who you are and who you are to us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Worshiping together on Christmas Eve is one of those wonderful traditions uh, that can help to keep us connected as friends, as family, as community. Uh, And I want to suggest that in times of difficulty and stress and anxiety, practicing some of our traditions can give us a sense of stability and can give us those anchor points to allow us to keep moving through some difficult times. And, and if we have not been and are not continuing to be in difficult times, I don't know when we would say we have been. I, I think today we continue to find ourselves uh, with, with stress and anxiety. Uh, everybody I talk to, when you get past the surface level, hey, how's it going? I'm great. How you doing? And they say, Hi, how's it going? And it's kind of like... Well, it's not really going that great. I'm kind of depressed. I don't have any motivation. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing or where I'm going, and, and I just I kind of feel tired all the time. And, and I, I, I can't tell you how many people I talk to over and over again. If you get down just below the surface, none of us are doing well. And, and yeah, we've been through a pandemic, and, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, turmoil in our, our country, and there's warfare in our world, but when hasn't there been problems? When hasn't there been trouble? But we don't know why. We can't put our finger on it. We can't figure out what's different now than before the pandemic. What's different now than three years ago, or five years ago, or ten years ago? And nobody really has an answer. But what we do know is that life will never be what it was. And even though we don't know what's coming and we can't anticipate what life is going to be like, our challenge is to how do we find our sense of identity and who we are and where are we going to find hope and joy and peace even in the midst of a life where circumstances aren't working out the way that we wish they could. We find ourselves in a time, brothers and sisters, where we are in need of some good news. And we we need to find that place of great joy and understand that, that the message of Christmas and the message of Jesus is really the message of God's love for all people. It's not something that should divide us. It's something that should unite us. It's not something that should cause us to kind of want to hole up and and, and just with uh, people that we know and that we love, it should cause us to want to break out and to go find new friends and to tell them what a great opportunity is to find joy and love and peace in our relationships with one another. But isn't it the fact that too often our relationships with one another are a part of what's robbing us of our peace, right? We struggle to do relationships well. We, we struggle to, to find ways to, to have grace and, and forgiveness for one another. We struggle to find ways to challenge one another to continue to grow into more healthy and mature human beings. And yet, as we've been talking about this fall and into the Christmas season here at Faith Covenant Church, that's really what Christianity is all about. That's really what the Bible teaches is that that God wants to rescue us from the broken and dysfunctional relationships and and, and nature of our humanity in in, in this world and to restore us to the way that he had intended it from the beginning. And there's only one thing 
that can solve that problem for you, for me, and for our world. And that one thing is the very thing that Jesus came to reveal, and it's that God loves you. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. God loves you more than you could ever hope for. God loves you more than you could ever believe because you know where you've been. You know what you've done. (laughs) But you know what? God does too, and he loves you anyway. Because it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've run away from God or how much you've chosen not to even consider the possibility that God might be real. He loves you in spite of all of that, just as you are. And that's why our Christmas theme here at Faith Covenant Church this year has come from the message that the angels brought to the shepherds on that first Christmas Eve where Luke 2 verses 8 through 11 tells us there are shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. An angel is simply a messenger. The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. That will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Promised One, the One that was foretold, the One that God had said would come and begin to turn this world around and to make all things right, to bring His healing and His wholeness and to one day to subject all evil and all brokenness and all sin under His feet, under the banner of His love. My own German family tradition has always been to celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve. Apparently in Europe, and particularly in Germany, the practice of bringing evergreen boughs into the house in the wintertime was was kind of a, a practice going back centuries, because evergreen in the middle of a cold and dark winter symbolized uh, perseverance and life in the midst of, of difficult circumstances. And then as Christianity spread to Europe, German Christians saw in this tradition a very clear connection to the good news message of Jesus. And they began to read in the Bible passages like Genesis 2.9 that said, when God created the world, the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you know the story of Adam and Eve, you know that God gave them one restriction. He only gave them one command. And he said, out of all of the garden and all of the fruit you can eat, there's one thing. You just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you do, it says you'll surely die. And of course, the enemy comes in and says, oh, does God even know what he's talking about? You don't don't believe God. That's the one fruit that you really want. The one restriction that God gave, the one thing that God said don't do, the devil comes in and he says, oh, but that's the one you really got to long for. And so they buy in, right? And they bite the apple and they say, gosh, if we just go after that fruit, ignore what God says, we can be like God. We can become the gods of our own lives. We can rule ourselves. How's that working for you? (laughs) I'm failing at it miserably. (laughs) 
because we were never created or designed to be God. We were designed to live in the mercy and the love and the grace of God and to allow his love to be the source that fuels our life and our relationships. And when we miss the very source of life, we just make a mess of it. See, because the, 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 the evergreen tree stays green year-round, these uh, early German Christians began to see in, in the evergreen trees a representation of this tree of life from the Garden of Eden. That was a representation of the hope and the eternal life that, that we now have seen revealed in Jesus. Even its needles, as they began to examine the trees, right? And the narrow crest at the top and, and, and the triangular shape of the tree uh, all kind of point their way to heaven. And some say as well that because we first cut down the tree, take it in the house, and then set it back up, it's also a symbol of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so in the Middle Ages, at least apparently in Western Germany, they used to celebrate the Feast of Adam and Eve, right? That was celebrated each year on December 24th on the evening before Christmas. And as part of this festival, they would host a play about Adam and Eve where the main prop that they used, they called the Paradise Tree. It was an evergreen fir tree that was hung with apples to represent the forbidden fruit and the tree of life. And over time, these paradise trees began to be placed into people's homes, and they added, in addition to the apples, apparently communion wafers to represent Christ's sacrifice and the Eucharist, the communion of, of Jesus' body broken for us and shed for us. And then they added candles to represent Jesus as the light of the world, and the modern Christmas tree was born with lights and ornaments and presents under it and all. And every Christmas Eve, German families would decorate their paradise tree and as a reminder of the gift of eternal life through Jesus as the gift that God sent to everyone at Christmas. And as we've been reminded here at Faith Covenant Church, as we've been going through our Christmas series that we've called Good News, Great Joy for All People, we're recognizing that it's got in God's good news, breaking into the darkness of this world in Jesus, in its fullness, in its completeness, the ultimate meaning of what the whole story of the Bible is about, that is good news and a cause for great joy and is for all people, is the news that God loves you. And that God would go to any length to win you back to himself. That God would send his, his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross, to, to, to pay whatever penalty you think you have to pay in order to turn around and give your heart back to the God who created you and the God who knows you and the God who loves you better than you could ever love yourself. This is the salvation that God has revealed in Jesus. As I said at the beginning, it's not the actions of an angry God who has to appease his wrath so he won't accidentally send a lightning bolt and strike you dead because he's so mad at you. And yet, isn't it true that so often when, when we struggle to, to say, should we believe in this God of the Bible or not, that's the very thing that most people will say was, how can I believe in a God who would be angry and punish people like that. That's the devil's lie. That's the wrong fruit. 
That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches just the opposite. The Bible says that God was motivated by love and concern and a desire that nobody should be lost and nobody should perish. It's not anger and wrath that characterizes the God of the Bible, but rather a deep and abiding love and a willingness to never give up and to never give in on saying goodbye to any of the children that he loves. I mean, if you really think about the words of John 3, 16 and 17 that most people are familiar with, especially if you're a football fan, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And you might not be as familiar with verse 17, but it goes on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And in the Christmas story, we see that God doesn't come in fire and in judgment. God doesn't show up on the planet with military might and with political policies. God doesn't show up as a donkey or an elephant. He comes to us as a baby in an animal feeding trough, humble and helpless, unnoticed except by a few poor shepherds who are living in fields, watching sheep at night, and anyone who chose to begin to see him for who he really was. Last Sunday here at church, we talked about how Jesus reveals to us what author David Benner has described as the God Christians worship loves sinners, redeems failures, delights in second chances and fresh starts, never tires of pursuing lost sheep, waiting for prodigal children or rescuing those damaged by life and left on the sides of its paths. That's the God of the Bible. That's the the father of Jesus Christ. That's the teachings that Jesus brought to his disciples. Whatever we've done over the centuries to to twist it or to, to mask it or to veil it, now is the time to pull back the veil and to realize that maybe even those of us who are Christians have have missed the mark in being able to share the true good news message of Jesus with a world that so desperately needs to know that God doesn't want to condemn them. God wants to love them, and he wants to heal them, and he wants them to experience hope and peace and joy and love and the very things that we come together to celebrate that Christmas is all about. And so as we celebrate the birth of Jesus again this year, and even now begin to anticipate the death of Jesus at Easter, which will have another kind of tree come in to take center stage, right, the cross. We are reminded in this season that no matter how cold your days get, no matter how dark your life feels, because Jesus is alive, love is alive, and that love has the power to bring light to your darkness and to bring warmth to your heart and to bring life to your soul. This is God's gift to us for those who choose to see him and to receive him as who he really is. We're just about done. One more passage. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. And the reality is 
that we, when we say yes to Jesus and we receive this gift, not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but because God has already purchased it with the blood of his son and he offers it to you freely with, without, without anything else that you have to do other than say yes to him. When we receive this amazing grace and we begin to live within this unending love with the promise that not even death will overcome it, the reality is that we now have the ability to share that same love with each other. And brothers and sisters, if we want to hope to see a better world, if we want to hope to experience something different in our marriages, if we want to hope to see something different in our church or in our community or in our nation, we've got to start with the very place that God says we start, and that's with love. And that, Charlie Brown, (laughs) is what Christmas is all about. This is his gift to us. This is his gift to you this Christmas, should you choose to receive it. This is the good news of great joy that is for all people, and especially for you and me tonight. Would you pray with me? God, we do thank you that even though we may have missed it before, we are hearing loud and clear tonight that you have come in the name of Jesus to bring peace on earth. And that your love that you've demonstrated for us by sending Jesus, as, not, not only as your son, but as, as a part of who you are, as a part of the, 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 the understanding of who God is in, in, in his Trinitarian form, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus came to give everything to remind us that your love for us knows no bounds. And so, God, I pray for each one of us tonight that whether we've ever received you before or we have been a Christian all our life and need to receive you in a fresh new way again tonight, that this Christmas Eve might be the first day of our new life with you. God, we accept your love and we say thank you for your grace and we ask that you teach us how to live in this love that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Faith Cove podcast. Our music was written, performed, and produced by Adam Johnson. For more information about our church community, visit faithcovesumner.com. Until next time!